if you'd let Pyro bite you. Okay, you can't see it, but Jonathan is raising both his hands, his legs, and his butt right now. Welcome to episode 60 of the Mutant Musings Podcast. It's the beginning of December 2019, and we'll be discussing new comics and, arguably, the quintessential X-Men story. I'm your host, Jonathan, and with me, as always, is my Red Queen, and she's red-headed. Hetty! Here's your friendly reminder that you can leave us a comment on this episode's webpage on geekade.com. Leave us ratings and reviews on iTunes or anywhere else you find our podcast. Follow us on Instagram at mutant underscore musings underscore podcast. And follow us on Twitter at mutant musings. And you can leave us ratings and reviews on Stitcher too. Did you know that? I know that. I just found that out recently. But now I know how to do that. I didn't rate or review us because that would be lame as fuck. But it's possible, but only from a desktop. Leave us ratings and reviews on Stitcher only from your desktop. And speaking of ratings, this podcast is rated F for fun. Like funch, which is fun lunch. And what do we eat for fun lunch? Butthole. Butthole for fun lunch? That sounds very mature. And by that, I mean the statement is mature, not the butthole. Mature butthole is not a fun lunch. So it sounds like this podcast is also rated M for mature. Rated M for mature and rated F for fun? That means Mutant Musings is rated MF, motherfucker. There's your explicit content warning. You like how I tied that all together? Yeah. Yeah. I just had to take a little detour to mature butthole. <laughs> thinking about mature butthole now, you guys? Who's I thinking about mature butthole? I'm trying not to. Who's got a mature butthole? <laughs> <laughs> how are you doing, Patty? I'm okay, I guess. It's a four-day weekend, which never happens. I'm trying to enjoy it and not thinking about how awful it's going to be to go back to work on Monday. No, fuck Mondays. Fuck Mondays, fuck am Mondays. I right? Yeah. You know what? Let's just uh, let's just not go to work on Monday. And we'll, right. just, we'll just be like, oh, I've, I'm sorry for the misunderstanding. I thought it was a five-day weekend. <laughs> and you know, fuck that. We'll just show up uh, next Thursday and be like, yeah. man, Mondays, am I right? <laughs> now, if we do that... And all you listeners do that, maybe we'll make a difference. Maybe yeah. maybe people will start paying attention to our cause. So so yeah, so currently it is Black Friday, which is Black Tom Friday. <laughs> you can get a tree on sale today. Black Tom Friday. Yeah. Because he's carrying around that piece of wood. Yeah. Right? That's uh that's his sad little Christmas tree. Yeah. Yeah, he's got like a little Charlie Black Brown Tom. Christ- <laughs> he's got like a little Charlie Brown sad Christmas tree. Poor Black Tom. Aww. And he refers to himself in the third person now. Black That's Tom. amazing. I love that. I love that so much that he does that. But I just hate when people do that. I think it's annoying. Jonathan thinks Patty is being oh very God. mean right Stop. now. <laughs> so it, it is the day after Thanksgiving. I hope everybody who celebrates uh, U.S. Thanksgiving had a very fat Thanksgiving because that's what we do on U.S. Thanksgiving. We do fat. Not like we don't do fat the rest of the year, but we do it exceptionally well on Thanksgiving. But no, honestly, I hope everybody's Thanksgiving was good. Uh, I don't know about Patty's takeaway from it, but, but I thought it was okay. It was, it was pretty good. You know, there was, there was family, there was no, there was no fighting, there was no politics mentioned, and there was lots of food. Yeah, so I guess all in all it was fine, but now I need to, uh, you know, go back on my diet, try to lose some weight. Yeah, and today we just ate pizza. Yeah, so (laughs) thanks. This is my grandmother's birthday. Yeah. Just pizza birthday. (laughs) So we're going to be talking about Marauders issue two. All the number twos. All the number twos. These are all number twos. Oh, yeah, you're right. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, every one of them has got a number two. Yeah. Yeah. They had a big Thanksgiving dinner, too. <laughs> now they now they got a big number two. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of poop, there's a lot of data pages in, in all of these issues. What are you talking about? What? There's not a lot of data pages. There are data pages 
And they don't need to exist. They are story supplementers, Patty. They are story suppositories, Patty. (laughs) Look how I tied that back in. Not only to the number two, but to the mature butthole. Yes. 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 See? See? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Tell your friends, guys. Tell your friends. Musings Podcast. So Storm (laughs) is giving out hard drives for ways to contact the mutants around the world. Um, like if they needed help or whatever. I thought that was a storm thing to do. That was a storm thing to do. But you know what? Like what? if this was the 90s, it would have been floppy disks. Floppy disks. Floppy disks were all the rage don't, in the 90s. Don't copy that floppy. <laughs> don't copy. We just, Patty, we just watched a video about it. <laughs> don't copy that floppy. Yeah. But you're right. But uh, all right. So we see, you know, that Emma, she was uh, trying to recruit the cuckoos. To have a seat on the Quiet Council. How uh, many seats would they have? Would they have one collective seat? <laughs> yeah. Or five individual seats? They are the five-in-one seat. Okay. Yeah. So they all have to share one chair? They're a hive mind. <laughs> Just put the mind on the chair. It doesn't matter where they are. It's the mind, Patty. But yeah, so so obviously who we find out took the fucking vacant seat uh, was not the first choice. We know that uh, Emma approached Storm. She approached the Cuckoos. And then we find out who it actually was at, at, at the end. Even though we all fucking knew who it was going to be anyway. But so there's there's just... I love this issue so very much. It shows Emma being awesome and just keeping Sebastian on this fucking tight little leash. Like, you see how fucking mad he is and, like, banging on the table with this dreary look on his face. is like Emma's just smiling. Sebastian was trying to fucking uh, sell some of the fucking Krakoa drugs directly to, like, these rich people. And Emma just lets him know that, like, nope, your boat's already been taken and, like, you need to stay in the black market. Like, stay in your fucking lane, buddy. You report to us. I thought that some of the stuff between Emma and Shaw was a little confusing. Like, But they talked about red ink in the ledger. I feel like that is your language. (laughs) (laughs) Patty does accounting. I didn't understand what that meant. I was like, what, are you not allowed to use red pen in your ledger? Okay, so... um, (laughs) We're going to learn accounting now. No, I'm just saying that that was like, you know, what people did back in the day when they had to like, you know, it was like old school. It was like having a floppy disk or whatever. Don't call Emma old. Okay. Well, she is. (laughs) Yeah, okay. But then uh, the Marauders are fighting fucking uh, Batrock and some goons. And it was great because, you know, Pyro's like, want me to burn him? Maybe just disfigure him? And Kate is dancing with one of the fucking guys and, like, dances him, like, right off the fucking boat. And then Pyro bites Batrock. He's like, you don't kick Storm. So that was, you know, hilarious. Like, you know, this all kind of ties it together because Batrock was working for Shaw and, like, the captain of this ship that was supposed to deliver the fucking drugs to the rich people. And Emma has... You know, Kate and the Marauders take them down. And it was just a fucking... It was so much fun. She just, like, you know, had that all set up and, like, kicked Shaw right in the dick. It was just... It was really a good time. And then they fucking... They all celebrate. And then they go into a fucking gay club. And it was cute to see Storm dancing next to some leather dude. Yeah. And Bobby's making out with someone. Oh, was he? Yeah, and Pyro's getting drunk. And Lockheed was flirting with some lady. (laughs) He's sitting on her head. It was cute. But then they meet up with Bishop, and Bishop tells him about Xavier. And so then, like, the mood of the book just kind of drops. Iceman is like, believe in the five, they can bring him back. And Pyro's like, you don't know that. And, you know, this was a little, I was like, don't we? Because, you know, I was doubting myself about this, too, when he got shot. I'm like, okay, well, we've already seen that so many other people, anybody can be fucking resurrected. But I don't feel like we've discussed too much about what happens to Xavier. And this did, they didn't go deep with it in this issue. 
But I thought that that was a very interesting question because it's something that I was thinking of myself. But, you know, then Kate loses her shit uh, even more so than she's been lately. And she fucking bursts into a fucking tattoo parlor. She decides to get a tattoo. Aurora and Bishop and Iceman are all like, no. And, uh, and then Pyro decides to get one right on his fucking face. Right on his face. He has been drawn so beautifully in one and a half issues so far. And now we're putting some fucking permanent ink right on his face. Yeah. I was like upset about that because he was really cute. And, you know, nobody with a face tattoo is cute. I mean, look at Post Malone. He looks like a pile of garbage. (laughs) And Mike Tyson. Yeah, Mike Tyson. Somebody pointed this out and I didn't really think of it before that, you know, Kate being Jewish and stuff and getting a tattoo like that's like uh, against their religion. Yes. Yes, it is. You can't be buried in a Jewish cemetery. At least not that I'm an expert on the subject, but that is something that I do know. Yeah, but I mean, there were exceptions made with the Holocaust and stuff, obviously, but I didn't even think of that. I just thought that she, she seems like she's like on a fucking bender or something. It's like crazy. And she just like makes out with the tattoo guy and gives him like 10 grand or whatever. And he's like, I can't take all of this. And she just like makes out with him and says like, remember me when I come broke, when I'm broke or whatever. And and I'm like, you need to calm the fuck down, kitty. No, absolutely. Now, I'm not I'm not going to speak to her religion and the religious implications of this just because that's not a subject I know enough about to speak to that. But what I will say is this reaction is believable. She's basically going through like an emotional breakdown right now. I mean, because because think about it. She is she's had this connection to this group of people, mutants, you know, for since she was a teenager and she's always had a home within the X-Men. And now she is, as far as we know, the only one who cannot go through the gates while everybody around her is going through the gates. They're, they're living in, in harmony and on this wonderful Island and have this whole new culture now and everything. She can't get through a gate. And you know, it's not so much just like, Oh, a few mutants are, are going through these gates and going to Krakoa. It's, everybody this is like the movement this is the status quo now for mutants and she cannot be a part of that and so i feel like that's really fucking broken something deep inside of her and this is how she is dealing with it i'm not trying to excuse her and say oh let her go do what she's gonna do because some of it seems like self-destructive behavior obviously but that's what that's what i think and then finding out that charles xavier you know their leader and the one who you know, welcomes her into the fucking mansion and the one who put Krakoa together and all this. Now he is dead, uh, assassinated, you know, by some fucking humans who infiltrated the island. You know, now she's just snapped even further. So, I mean, definitely. I mean, a bender, absolutely. But I feel it's it's more of like a fucking just a meltdown that she's having right now. I don't know. I mean, I get that she's like upset about Xavier and even before that it was the whole Krakoa thing but I mean I feel like they were trying to push for a while that she's more mature and yeah she got the soccer mom haircut and all of that stuff and here she is having like a fucking hissy fit so I don't I don't know yeah but to be honest though I mean that soccer mom haircut was like X-Men gold and they did a terrible job of characterizing her in X-Men yeah, gold yeah that's she true. was just yeah, she, I mean, she tried. I'll, I'll give fucking Guggenheim that. He wrote her like she was supposed to be trying, but she failed at like every fucking turn. And that was ultimately that made it awful characterization of Kitty. I'm not saying that this is a good direction for her. 
I'm just saying that this is more understandable than that sort of lead role that she had in X-Men Gold, because I think that set her back and made her look like a moron. But yeah, yeah, so then Emma is giving Shaw more shit. Shaw was like, like, I want my pick for the uh, the third vacant position. And Emma's like, no, I'm not going to let a third of our voting power be tied up in whatever tramp you're sleeping with. And it's great because he goes and fucking attacks her. She turns to Diamond and smiles at him. And fucking Kate is right there in the background is like, I'm the Red Queen, bitch. She actually got that fucking hand tattoo, the hold fast from the fucking variant cover or whatever it was. Badass. And then it says, next, enter the Black Bishop, even though I think that's a little too on the nose. And then they show, like, the lineup for all the different fucking uh, positions. We knew that Christian was coming, but we figured he would be the White Bishop, and that's what this confirms. But the Lord Imperial at the very top is vacant, and I'm like, who the fuck's gonna take over that? But, I listen, I really, I really loved this issue. Like I said, I already went on my rant about about Kate, but this also showed Emma in, like, this fucking amazing position of power over her fucking abuser and over a guy who has historically been fucking awful for mutant kinds, period. But at the same time, you know, it's it's funny and it's great to see Emma holding Sebastian on this tight leash, but there's going to be backlash. He's, like, there's going to be repercussions. He's going to get his revenge somehow. There's going to be something coming along. There's a preview recently. The Shawshank Redemption. Ha <laughs> ha! Uh, I hope he doesn't shank her. Shawshank <laughs> her. No. <laughs> but there was some preview that just, just came out, and there was, like, um, a fucking caption of, like, Sebastian keeping his lineage going or something. Like that, which makes me think that he is going to bring Shinobi back. Like, Shinobi's gonna get resurrected if he hasn't already been resurrected, and I think Sebastian is going to try to get Shinobi to work for him, maybe fill in a position in the Hellfire Club, or maybe send him in to sabotage the Red Queen somehow. I mean, Shinobi Shaw is sexy. I mean, he does love jacuzzis. He does love jacuzzis, yeah. He likes water. Put him on a boat. (laughs) Lots of water around. That is true. Yeah. So, yeah, so the, the a couple of things, obviously, about the art. I didn't really say much, I think, with the last time we talked about Marauders, but uh, it does, does kind of bother me a little bit the way Matteo Lali pencils Storm. Otherwise, I think his art is pretty great, but Blee is still not cutting it on the colors. There's It's, like, very inconsistent, so I actually looked at, I, I compared a couple. The colors in a, a couple of the panels. There's one in the tattoo parlor versus right outside of it. Kate goes from a lighter skin tone to a darker skin tone outside, which makes sense. It's night and it's raining. She's lighter inside the the tattoo parlor. But when you flip back, if you look outside the tattoo parlor and Bishop is telling them about Xavier versus inside the tattoo parlor, Storm's skin goes from light outside in the dark and in the rain to darker inside the parlor, which doesn't make any sense if you're going to have somebody's skin be darker outside where it's dark and raining why would it have the opposite effect on a black person and when you look at gateway it's the most evident like if if somebody who had never seen gateway before in their life saw that one panel of him they probably would have thought that's a white dude like australian aboriginal people are dark and and people are still rightfully calling marvel out and calling these people out because of this colorist and hopefully they fucking make some changes like i know i've said that like a few issues are probably already done but man let's fucking put the prints back in the fucking you know take the file from the computer or whatever and just 
click something to make it darker. I don't know fucking artworks or digital artworks, but you can make them like actual black people. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I agree. Um, and that's that's something that I was gonna say. Like, I don't. I wasn't expecting the color to improve from the last issue to this issue because you know they're like always a few issues ahead of schedule. So I mean, it, it's probably still not going to change until maybe issue five um i don't know i mean we'll have to wait and see i guess i mean overall i liked this and it's still it's still my favorite of these books that are going on now i'm just really sad about the skull face tattoo and i was like (laughs) you're sad i was like oh no they're gonna have to kill pyro and bring him back to life people stop saying that that's the only way to undo what he did Patty, if they can make Krakoan drugs to cure all kinds of fucking emotional problems and STDs and shit like that, they can fucking rub a flower on his face and fucking get that tattoo off. You remember how Scott was doing the dishes with one of the Krakoan penises? Yeah. He just fucking jerked it? Yeah. Just like the hand motion I'm making? Yeah. You see this, Patty? Yeah, it's I do. hand motion? Just jerked Krakoa right onto that dish. We'll just fucking have fucking Krakoa Bukaki, a Krakaki, right on Pyro's face, and we'll wash that tattoo right off. And you, uh, you just said something I've seen a couple of other people say. Well, kill him, bring him back. No, no. I know we can resurrect our dead mutants now, but that boy, that boy has been dead for so long. You are not killing him again. You are not. Don't talk back to me. I don't care what you're saying in your car or on the bus right now. You're not doing that to me. He's back. We'll get it laser removed if we have to. I'll pay for it. (laughs) All right. So next new comic we're talking about is New Mutants number two. And on the first fucking page, we see that Rain took that fucking, that Shi'ar egg and hid it inside of Mondo. And I thought that that was really cute. She got this little sneaky look on her face. And he's looking back like, what are you doing to my butt, lady? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and uh, so Roberto is just, like, narrating this whole issue, and he's just like, oh, yeah, they were pretty bad at being pirates. We stole what they were trying to steal and just, like, left the box there, so they thought yeah. that they stole it. Yeah. And also, I stole all their bourbon, so <laughs> fuck them. So now they're in um, space jail, <laughs> and he's complaining yeah. about the thread count on his... Uh, yeah, 20. Yeah, 20, 20, 20 thread count. 20 thread count. <laughs> Which sounds awful. Oh my um, god, Patty, are you serious right yeah, now? Yeah, no, that sounds terrible. Have you ever worn a 23rd count? No, <laughs> but I'm chafing from just thinking of it. So Ileana just kept, like, making her sword appear to, like, break up fights or whatever. That was and so funny. anytime the guards came along, she, like, just hid it away. Yeah. And then they kept putting her into solitary, but she was a teleporter, so it doesn't matter. That was so goddamn funny. Yeah, I Ileana that. is the best new mutant <laughs> so then they get their space date court case space date there was a show on nickelodeon called space cases which uh what you just said what you said it made me think of that show and i had a crush on the one character who was from saturn and she had like this swirly rainbow pattern in her hair Ooh. and she had an invisible friend named Susie. And you would, you never fucking saw Susie. But this girl, I think her name was Catalina. She would talk to Susie all the time, never see her. Nobody else could see her. But then like in the second season of the show, I think that's when I stopped watching because Catalina wasn't a character anymore. Susie took her place. Susie was, was now there instead of, instead of Catalina. It was so upsetting. (laughs) I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry. Did you? <laughs> but it was in outer space, like the New Mutants. Yeah, oh, it all worked. If I could only tie that into mature butthole. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go on. So they're they're in their uh, space court. So he says, if the, the lawyer doesn't get us out of here, we're just gonna break out of here. The space lawyer is really shitty. He's like, I have an objection because these people are from Earth and they have different customs than Shi'ar space or whatever. And the judge is like, oh, are we in Shi'ar space? Yes. yes. <laughs> is Shi'ar space all that we recognize? Yes. Okay. <laughs> And the guy's like, okay, no objections. <laughs> He's like, Roberto's like, somebody's not getting paid. <laughs> so they get found guilty, and the space judge is like, take them out. And it's Cannonball and Wife. Yeah. They show up. They're like, you're in our custody now, Cannonball bitch. and Wife. Cannonball and Wife. That's what we call the women oh when we're God. in outer space. We call them Wife. <laughs> It's Cannonball and Mrs. Cannonball, all right, <laughs> silly? No, her, she's uh, the Imperial Guard uh, member, Smasher. Okay. She's like the current Smasher. She currently smashes. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know Smasher was a title. Um, yeah. I but mean, her costume was like so weird. I didn't like really? it. Really? Yeah. But yeah, so she's a Smasher. And uh, the two of them smashed together and made a baby. So that's what they're, this is what they're doing with their night. They got a fucking babysitter and Sam and, and Mrs. Sam had to come fucking get the gang out of trouble. And, and what I thought was interesting, and I didn't even recognize this the first time I read it, because it was like five o'clock in the fucking morning, and this is why I read everything twice anyway, when the new mutants see Sam, you know, they're all fucking hugging, right? Yeah. I didn't even notice that on the other side of yeah, that channel, Ramondo. they are looking very sad and left out. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why they thought it would have been otherwise if they were going with the new mutants to rescue their old team member and they weren't members of the new mutants originally. Are we going to make that a thing though? Because yes, <laughs> I just like, I thought it was weird, but interesting that the two of them were included in the new mutants title when it was announced, but I'm like all right that's that's cool they were both members of like a then young mutants title in the 90s um even though it wasn't actually mondo but if we're going to are we going to continue this line of making them feel left out is that going to come back at all i just thought it was a weird sort of thing to do with the art and i don't know if that's going to go anywhere and roberto is being a bitch he says to sam i was expecting you to be a mess out of shape but you look happy healthy and fit and smasher punches him in the fucking face and it was hilarious because she's dealing with her own shit. Again, they got the fucking baby. She's awake late at night. The babysitter isn't their normal babysitter and they got to fucking come do this. Yeah. And Ileana's like, I wanted to do that. Also, more nose fucking up in docs. Uh, I thought you were just going to say nose fucking. More nose fucking. <laughs> yeah. So now somebody else got his nose fucked up. That's two now in uh two issues of new mutants we're two for two who's gonna get their nose fucked up next time that's what i'm saying yeah but uh so apparently gladiator sends a message to smasher that they should be executed and we're like i'm like what the fuck the new mutants and she says like decode the orders and i was like oh that's you know weird but all right i'm sure that'll come back and then we cut to the uh, the fucking team playing cards how do we know who won? I know who won me. Uh, I've played this before, and that's a full empire. It's the winning hand. I thought Danny was hilarious, and Doug is like, actually, that's not what they say, and Danny elbows him. So, you know, it's it's like cute that they're interacting, and it's funny, and whatever, they're having a good time. And then you see Rain is just a tiny little sleepy bean on the couch next to Sam and Roberto talking. And uh, it was really cute, and it was a lot of fun, like the two of them catching up. But 
Apparently the message from Gladiator is that the New Mutants have been pardoned, but also conscripted. And so we see Xandra, which is awesome, that they brought in from fucking Mr. and Mrs. X. And they're talking about her being on the throne, Gladiator, who has been the fucking magister of the... Shi'ar Empire, since Lalandra was assassinated, says that the throne belongs to an Aramani. You know, we need we're, we need fucking Xandra ready to be on the fucking throne. I should be praetor of the Imperial Guard. And uh, Smasher is going to be bringing home Xandra's aunt to be her advisor. And so the new mutants are going to be guarding Deathbird on the way back home. And Roberto's like, I think I'm in love. And Deathbird's looking all sexy because that's what she does. Yeah. Yeah. I really liked this issue, okay. actually. I really like the art in it. Yes. I know. I've actually seen somebody complain about it, which... Pooh! That's crazy. I don't know. Somebody Who? on Facebook. What? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I like this issue a lot. I was apprehensive because, uh, you know, I hate space. I hate when stories take place in space. I always <laughs> thought that, like, the Star Jammers and the Shi'ar and stuff was, like, the least interesting thing that they could ever do. Um, so I'm like, oh, good. We get Shi'ar Empire and the Star Jammers. This is fantastic. But I've actually been enjoying it. So I bet your favorite stories take place under the sea, Patty. Yes. Yes, because that is as far away from space as you can get. Yeah. Is, is under the sea. Yeah. Yeah, under the sea. Just <laughs> <laughs> sing the song. What's wrong with that? You're the redhead. You're the little mermaid. Oh, that's true. <laughs> I like this issue a lot. I like where the plot's going. It's a lot of fun. There's a lot of humor. You know, it's 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 just kind of ridiculous. Yeah, fuck. Fuck this whole new mutant direction and culture now. Fuck it. We're going to space. Um, it's really heartwarming to see these characters interact. Even though, like, and, and, and I know, I know, like, a lot of people love Sunspot. I love him, too. People are happy to see him in an X-Men book. I am, I am, too. But it's really hard for me not to put my own expectations onto this book to just, like, project them. New Mutants Volume 1, I've stated multiple times, it's one of my favorite fucking comic book series of all time, and the characters, you know, I mean, it wasn't like, like, they were just written with such good balance, I feel like, a lot of the time, that it's just, I'm seeing Roberto get almost everything, and so little from some of the others, like, Magic gets a little bit over here, Wolfsbane got a little bit in the last issue, Danny gets a tiny bit and a little, like, humor here, but otherwise, you know, it's just Roberto. Yeah, uh, Roberto featuring the New Mutants. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I see that. That's kind of how I felt a little bit during Fallen Angels, too. But it's probably because he was narrating it, you know? I don't know if yeah. he's going to be narrating all of the books. Well, I mean, you know, this was Hickman. Ed Brisson is going to be doing his own separate thing with other characters. At least for a little while. I don't know how long that's going to I thought go Hickman on. was only doing the first issue of New Mutants. No, he, he and Brisson somehow, I don't know what or who did what, co-wrote the first issue. Now Hickman did this. Okay. Who's, who actually wrote Roberto and a lot of the humor like very well. But again, what I'm what I'm getting at is just it's, it doesn't feel like a fucking group. And I'm sorry, again, don't yell at me. I can't hear you when you're in your car in the future listening to this. But whatever. It's still a great book. It's still like my second favorite right next to Marauders. Uh, this thing with Deathbird is going to be hilarious. But I just uh, I'm, I'm curious about Chamber and Mondo and what's going to, you know, what's going to go on with that. But uh, but I do have to say this, though. Um, the art in this title is the best in Dawn of X, I have to say. Yeah, no, I, I agree 100%. There's no debate. This is the best art. No um, debate. No debate. Nope. So I'll have to say, there's no debate. There's nothing I can say against it. <laughs> All right. So next new comment we're talking about is X-Force number two. And I loved this issue. This issue 
answered uh, a couple of questions, a couple of things that we brought up with the first issue. Uh, I really liked it. We're getting some more action. And we know that Domino isn't dead. How do you like that? Yeah. Yep, she certainly isn't dead. (laughs) Um, Why are you saying that with a smile on your face? No, I kind of feel like it might have been better for her to be dead than than have been tortured alive. You remember... When we were talking about Demon Bear, and that fucking surgeon was like, Oh, yeah! Patty, that's what you sound like right now. Ah, I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah, so they did, to my surprise, explain the whole grafting domino skin on themselves, and they did say that they were Reavers, so I guess we don't really know who's, like, leading them. No, not um, yet. Not, well, not yet. Plot twist, it's Xavier. <laughs> yeah, uh, Magneto is, like, going on about, like, how, oh, if only I was there, I could have stopped the bullet, and, you know, whatever. There's, like, the scene of everybody crying at his funeral, which I don't understand, because Why? they... Oh, it wasn't a funeral. Can... No, it, they were crying around his dead body. Oh, okay, well, whatever. <laughs> same, which, you know Let's let's be real. It's the same thing. Same thing. I mean, that's what you do at a funeral. You cry around somebody's dead body. I've been to a funeral, Jonathan. I know how it works. (laughs) Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. So I thought that was weird because, like, they have the five and they can bring anybody back to life. That's the whole point. Maybe. But yeah, I don't understand why it's a question now that it's Xavier. Because Xavier's got fucking, like, all the fucking mutants cataloged in Cerebro. Yeah, but they have backup Cerebros. He's, but he's the one who can work it. So now yeah. it's going to fall onto Jean to work it. That she has to be. Before her, it was Xavier that did it. Did he need to do anything? I thought it was just the five that he didn't really need to interfere. No, he's got all their fucking, like, souls or whatever. Oh, like, all their minds okay. And shit, so it's, back all right, all right, all right. See, he's the one that does that. Now, without him there, and so, like, this is the kind of shit that we probably touched on when Hoxpox was going on. Like, well, what happens if something happens to Xavier? You know? Oh, I'm sure that won't come up as a plot line. And now, boom, we're on fucking... Number two issues of Docs, and already we're going to figure out Ooh, what the fuck's going to happen. There it is. So yeah, so Gina's like, I think I can bring him back. And Magneto's like, you think? You will. You must. And he's right, though. He's like, a terrible clock is ticking. It's like the world is going to find out about that. And then, you know, obviously other people are going to get, like, other ideas of, like, you know, trying to fucking jump on this island and parachute out of planes and fucking kill people. But, uh, they, so here's one instance where I agree with Hank, because we never agree with Hank McCoy. Um, but fuck he's, him. <laughs> he says, uh, never understand why the professor would leave himself so vulnerable, shook hands, took photos, meanings. I'm like, yes, yes, thank you. I was saying that the fucking, when he went to fucking Sokovia. But then how the else fucking... are we supposed to have this plot point then, Hank? <laughs> <laughs> so then there's this big fucking report explaining how the Reavers got the tracking device in Xavier, how they killed 33 mutants. Um, and so now mutants have approved the daily EMP blast to wipe out electronics. And I'm like, this is a fucking island full of, like, probably some seriously powerful fucking mutants. And you really need to do that? No, you just need to up the fucking security system. And again, I'm, I'm sorry. This may sound kind of dumb, but it is a living goddamn island. That fucking island should have opened itself up, swallowed Xavier, and got him to fucking safety. And that is something that could be happening now. I'm sure... Okay, well, Doug's in space right now, but somebody could make some sort of fucking defense system out of the islands, never mind the machinery 
on the islands, like Trinary, Forge, Sage, you know what I mean? Like, I know we're still putting X-Force together now, but I feel like you could put together, like, a security system and... That isn't Black Tom? No, in a quicker amount of time. I think Black Tom is a great... Considering where they are, I think he's a great security system. And he felt bad, Patty. I know. He felt bad. I know. <laughs> um, I was just like, okay, without the, you know, electronics, though, if they're gonna wipe them out every day, like... What is Sage going to do here? She's going to be, like, powerless. Take a nap. Yeah. <laughs> it's time just, to Sage take a nap. Oh, well, she could take Rogue's place then and just be Sleeping Beauty for a while. That is an issue we're not going to be talking about. Right. But, but as, of, as of this recording and the time you're hearing this, Rogue is still taking a nap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Cecilia is trying to figure out who these Reavers are. She's, like, dissecting them, basically. Um, She finds out that... That is Domino's skin that's grafted onto theirs. Like, Joshua Kassara isn't, like, the most fucking... Like, you know, he's not drawing statuesque characters, but it works for this book. And especially, like, the backgrounds, the layouts, everything. It's this really fucking dark and disturbing sort of feel to it. Like, when you're seeing the bodies of the Reavers laying there, one of them is just fucking, like... This fucking chest is just, like, opened up and the rib cage is there and just... It's all really fucking disturbing, and I like it. Yeah, and then, and then my boy shows up. Yeah, who's your boy? My boy Quentin shows up. Aww, I love him. Yeah. Um, Logan was he went to the airport to look through the computer to try to figure out some stuff because you know professional hacker Logan. Everybody <laughs> knows him as that. With his fancy passcodes. Yeah, he was just trying random shit, and Quentin said, uh, I'm here because the professor finally realized what I've been preaching all along. Mutants are fucking superior, or at least I am. <laughs> and uh, Quentin's like, what are you going to do? Just try some random combinations? You're going to try one, two, three for your passcode, or cigar, <laughs> or bourbon? And then Wolverine's like, how'd you know my passcode? Which I thought was hilarious. He is a fucking boomer. Yeah, he is. uh, He's not the smartest boy. (laughs) Quentin's like, I was just leaving when you got here. I already like processed the assassins, fake IDs, the license plates, and maxed out your credit card. And Logan's like, I don't have a credit card. And he's like, you You do do now. And really bad credit. (laughs) So then they, uh, they figure out. Where those fucking, um, those Reaver goons came from, and Quentin and Logan are approaching the building, and Quentin's like, they're going to scream and beg and pray and scream some more as they bow down before the gods of the future. And, and again, with the fucking creepy, gross, but amazing art, it's an assassin factory, and you see this fucking brain and the fucking brainstem and the spine and, like, all these fucking bits and shit in these fucking jars, and it's just disgusting. And then they have to, like, fight off a couple of these fucking, like, zombies and uh we learned that domino was lured into this that it was actually a fucking trap Uh, quentin all of a sudden can't access his powers and logan figures that they must be hiding something that they're hiding domino and quentin looks around and he finds her and so yeah we see some of that skin missing but she just she seems like she's in like stasis like in a fucking chamber with a bunch of like liquid or whatever just keeping her suspended there and it says next lost and found in crack and I feel really bad for Domino, but I do not think that she'd be better off dead. <laughs> Patricia Kevorkian. Thank Fine. you. Fine. <laughs> she got luck on her side. She survived. Yeah, but is she going to get her skin back? She, you can grow skin back. <laughs> is that true? <laughs> can you grow that much skin back? I don't know how skin works. <laughs> 
But, uh, yeah, no, the second issue I liked a lot better than the first issue. And, uh, now that we finally got to see Quentin. But, um, but yeah, so we've seen everybody, but we haven't seen everybody, like, sort of come together yet. So I don't know how this is gonna go, but it's got me really intrigued and I really like it so far. I mean, I liked the first issue a lot, but, like, this, this just has me sold on it, too. And it's great. Like, we, we've seen Quentin and Logan's, uh, antagonistic relationship before, but it's sort of refreshing to see it back here in a different context. Because I feel like in some of Wolverine and the X-Men, you know, it was more funny. And here, it's more serious. And what I thought was really interesting, too, in this issue was that when they go in, the two of them are going into, like, expecting a fight. You can hear, like, Xavier's ideology echoed in Logan's words. And you can sort of hear Magneto's, like, ideology echoed in Quentin's words about how we're new gods and we're gonna fucking make them pay and you know logan is trying to keep like the cool calm head as as quentin is just like ready to just fucking kill everybody you can't blame him (laughs) what i can't blame him for what for wanting to murder people yeah (laughs) patty we can't just murder our problems away all right in the real world we don't just murder our problems away bullshit what the Yeah, but uh but but I really liked I really like this. I I can't wait to see what they can or cannot do with, you know, one of the backup cerebros getting that online, what Gene is gonna be able to do. It's so early again, this is so early in this new direction. Like what happens if they can't bring him back? And if he does, like is it going to really be him? Maybe it'll be a baby Xavier. <laughs> like the ex babies. Yeah, I only, hated that. Only yeah, me too. Thank you. Only the only, this time it'll be the only ex-baby is Xavier. Imagine all of fucking Krakoa having to take care of this fucking... Oh my god. <laughs> Do you remember when they de-aged Magneto too to be a baby? Yeah. 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 Good yeah. times. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> and then they re-aged him? Yeah. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. To uh, the perfect sexy age? Yeah. Yeah, it was perfect. They stopped at the perfect sexy age. They're like, oh, this guy's too old. No, let's make him hot. <laughs> we want to make him more likable. What better way to start than take away them wrinkles? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, All right, last new comic we're talking about is Fallen Angels, number two. So yeah, the first few pages, the art is great. And look at her fucking up these uh, these goons. It's it's gorgeous. But like fucking, you know, Quanin is talking to this guy. And uh, he knows that she can read his thoughts. But he lies about being alone. Like there's nobody, he's got no family. Like, because she tells him like to burn some bridges behind him. You don't find out until later that he was lying about being alone, but still, like, I just, I thought about that afterwards. Like, this guy said he's alone, but he has a wife and kid, and he was lying about it. But he knows he said Quanin can read his thoughts. I don't know. Just this small little thing that I noticed that was bothering me, so I noted it down. Um, So issue two, this is called Shoto. And I was like, all right, that's a Japanese word. I don't know what that means. So I looked it up on jisho.org. And for those of you who don't know, jisho is a Japanese word for dictionary. Because we took a couple of semesters of Japanese. Patty took more than me, but mm-hmm. I haven't practiced in a very long time. Me neither. So I'm probably going to forget it all. But uh, I'm glad I took it when I did. But depending on the kanji, uh, there's a fancy Japanese word for you. Depending on the kanji, uh, shoto can either mean income or a group of islands. An archipelago, if you will. <laughs> After reading this issue, I don't know which one of those it means. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> because Japan is a group of islands, but I don't think they made any income, so maybe it's the Whoa. islands. 
Whoa. You saying make... Japan doesn't have any income? No, I said that, like, Psylocke wasn't making any money. So it's a it's group of islands, I guess. Whatever. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> so Laura talks to Psylocke. I smile. I'm nice. But there's this part of me. Anger. Rage. Teach me how to harness it. I'm like, what? What? What is this dialogue? And Psylocke is like, I can make you its master. But every master is a slave. I'm just, man, that's that's bad. But I th- again, I think the art here is is gorgeous. I disagree. I d- I don't. Also, there were so many butt shots of Psylocke. What is Psylocke is historically known for her bottom, Patty? <laughs> I'm just saying it was like weird how there was one shot where like everything was completely dark except her ass had like a light radiating from it. Look at this. Patty, it is fucking You in- can't even see what she's wearing on the rest of her body. Patty, her booty is the light in the darkness. <laughs> you follow that light. Go towards the light. It is the booty. It is the savior. It is the Psylocke booty. <laughs> she just got a little cush in the tush. <laughs> I'm just, like, the thing with Laura is, like, she's figured this out so many years ago. And Booties? No. Her, like, anger and everything. Uh-huh. And it, it doesn't make sense for her to bring that up. And I feel like he was just trying to get X-23 to fit somehow into this book. And it kind of makes sense that Gabby isn't here. Because if she was here, Laura couldn't be acting like this. That's a really good point. Because <laughs> Laura is like, you know, mommy. And... <laughs> You know, we haven't seen her be, like, you know, brooding and depressed and emo for a while. And now she's like, oh, Gabby isn't in my direct vicinity for some reason. So I just hate everything. I hate myself. I hate everybody. Well, I disagree a little bit. In the last volume of X-23, we did see her be a little dark and a little broody. Her and Gabby were a little bit at odds for, for a bit in that series. But... Uh, I do agree about the whole sort of mommy thing, and I do agree about if Gabby were around, this wouldn't fly. It's weird, this absence of Gabby, and nobody's touched on it or anything yet, because, I mean, they did butt heads in the last volume of X-23, but by the end of the series, they were together and things were okay. And I feel like Gabby brings some light to Laura not that Laura, I feel like without Gabby, there should be a broody and angry and wannabe stabby person at this point. But I feel like a little bit of that is always going to be in Laura. And Gabby just kind of is too bright and like shines that darkness away a little bit. They like compliment each yeah, other. Yeah. And um, that is the only way this works. We, could, we can't have Gabby around and that's why we don't. So, you know, you make a, a really good point about that. Fucking Cable is at a party, is at the party again, and he's like, I'm waiting to feel what they feel. And and again with the cringeworthy dialogue. And Dazzler shows up. Did you see Dazzler? I did. She was there for half a second. That was uh, one of the things that I took a screenshot of that I just showed you. Yeah. There was this really stupid fucking line on this page. Yeah. Dazzler says, I uh, can't blame an entertainer for everyone wanting to be happy. There's joy here. Embrace it. To which Psylocke says, joy doesn't make everyone happy. <laughs> and yes, I could use a friend as she walks away. Um, showing off that booty. Showing off the booty. The booty. So the whole joy doesn't make everything happy. What does that even mean? <laughs> there was there was this episode of Bar Rescue, okay? I used to watch Bar Rescue all the time. <laughs> um, so there is this episode. Patty, you might have a drinking problem. <laughs> 
<laughs> there was this episode um it was like a comedy bar and this guy was like a comedian the owner and he he was like just telling really shitty jokes or whatever or just saying really shitty things and then saying they were jokes and he's like well you know laughter doesn't have to be the only reaction to comedy an appropriate <laughs> reaction to comedy could be crying <laughs> And I always think of that. And also, um, <laughs> you remember my ex-best friends, that bitch? Yeah. Yeah, okay. She, that bitch. I, I would, like, share, like, makeup files and stuff on Facebook or, like, ads. Like, Lime Crime had this really fucking ugly ad one time, and I just shared it and tagged her. Lime Crime? Yeah. Is that makeup? Yeah. Why would somebody <laughs> buy makeup with the word crime in the title? Sorry, um, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay. You were at Lime Crime. Yeah, so I, I just shared this really ugly ad that they put out, and she was like, oh, well, you know, makeup isn't, like, always supposed to make people look good. Sometimes yeah. the point of makeup can be to make you look bad. And yes. I'm like, Patty, look, what? <laughs> look at the insane clown posse. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, look okay. Look at all of the juggalos, Patty. They have so many juggalos. <laughs> Are they supposed to look pretty? <laughs> next time you like patty i listen I'm, I'm i totally get your point but the next time you ask yourself that question why was that bitch talking like that just think of a juggalo all right because somewhere right now a juggalo is crying at comedy <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no I, I i get what you're saying about that but I feel like the whole point of that was like, oh, for us dark and broody people, <laughs> joy makes us angry. This is <laughs> this is exactly the fucking goth kids from South Park who are like <laughs> sitting outside in the rain smoking cigarettes. That's what this book is. <laughs> I mean, fucking Quanin is somebody who cries to comedy. Quanin is a juggalo. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Uh, also, Lime Crime makes me think of LimeWire. You ever feel like just giving your computer an STD? Yes. <laughs> the original founder of Lime Crime had like a lot of like, there was a lot of like drama against her. I don't know how to say that. Tell me but, she like, was a criminal. No. Well, not that I know of, but I think that she like dressed like a Nazi or something for Halloween one Oh my year. God. Yeah. And there was like a whole bunch of other shit. People like found that their like eyeshadow palettes had like mold and stuff in them. Um, Patty, all of those sound like lime crimes. <laughs> but I think they got bought out by somebody else. Lemon I don't, crime. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Cable uh, decided to look up Overclock. And so uh, over there's an overclock cartel. They're having kids make the drug. Uh, and Cable says, but I had a contact there. He's dead. You know what that makes me want to do. Don't ask me how I know this place. Just trust that I know. And this, uh, so much of this is just striking me as, as lazy writing. But just, just bear with me here. Psylocke says, like, no, we have to find Apoth, not his works. But couldn't Nathan just try to convince her, like, this might be a lead? But instead, he's like, I'm going to go by myself. I did think, though, these data pages were neat. Conscience is a prison. It's ego. Be as the blade you trust. The blade is unburdened by consequence. It is a thing of action. A wasp does not consider the pain of its sting. So, yeah, okay, I get the whole goth kids from South Park, but this, I felt like, was actually, like, well-written prose on those data pages. I thought that that was, like, really neat. 
Especially as contrasted to, like, a lot of the lame dialogue throughout this issue. But I didn't see the importance of it. Like, the data page was just, like, really? a waste of space, I thought. Really? Really? Yeah. Really? <laughs> yes. Really? You? Patty? Shut up. You thought a data page was a waste? <laughs> there was there was nothing to progress the story. It was just some more emo poetry. Patty! Jonathan. A wasp does not consider the pain of its sting. Let me give you a pinch. There, I'm a wasp. There's poetry. That's like, what was that song? Uh, Every rose has a thorn? Yeah. 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 I feel like, I feel like that was not by Guns N' Roses, though. That would have been perfect. I feel like that was by Poison. Fuck, I'm going to have to look that up now. I'm sure that's by Poison. But it should have been by Guns N' Roses. Rose has Yes, it's by Poison. That's right. So, yeah. So, then we get to that part where uh, Psylocke did kill that dude from the beginning of the issue. This is taking place in the past. Uh, Psylocke is supposed to kill the wife. And the wife is pregnant. But she lets the, the lady go. And as you see the lady walking away, we get the fucking dialogue box that the lady and carrying the baby got killed anyway. And then Psylocke does agree to have this team up with Laura and Nathan. She says, I can teach you about war to Nathan. I can teach you about rage to Laura. Um, but goodness, I'll have to learn from the both of you. And so they go to that place in Brazil that Nathan was talking about, and it's a trap, there's an explosion, and there's this giant fucking machine thing that looks dope, and, uh, and so that was it. So we'll see what that's about next time. There were things that I very much liked about this issue, but there was a whole bunch that I did not like. So, first of all, I, I, honestly, I don't get everybody shitting all over the art. Yes, there, there is some bad art, but, like... The beginning of the book with Psylocke and the dude talking, that looked great. There's some close-ups of faces, the fights and stuff. A lot of it is so good, but... Some of it is, like, so dark, it's hard to even see what's happening. And there was the one scene where the woman who she was sparing... Yeah. She was crying into her arms, and then the next panel, she just looks up at Betsy, and she looks like she's striking like a model pose. She, Her eyes aren't red. She wasn't crying. She doesn't have any tears on her face. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, well, all right, fair, but, but I liked most of it, except for there's like a certain distance where their faces do look weird. It seems like the outline of where their face is, the artist doesn't do so great with. And there's one shot of Psylocke from the floor going up that looks sort of embarrassing. Her boobs are sticking out sort of like, uh, you know, PS1 graphics or something. I don't know. But yeah, so, but, you know, I so there's some issues with the art, but not all of it. I think, honestly, some of it's really gorgeous. It's just some of the more, I guess, uh, I don't know, human aspects of it don't quite work as well with this artist. And I'm bringing up a lot of this dialogue that's bad because it is. The fucking story and the plot on paper are great, but a lot of this dialogue is cringeworthy. It's sort of like, I'm looking at this as like, you know, this is Quanin, you know, and, and now Psylocke. But who is that? You know, who who is she? What are her memories? There's this journey that she has to go on, and we have to see how she's going to take to it. Is she going to be dark? Is she going to be like... She was and kill people? Is she going to do this for good? Is she going to find her true self in there somehow? Are these other characters around her also going to learn some sort of lesson? 
Like, I, I'm not doing a good job of explaining the story, but, but that's how it sounds to me. And that seems like sort of a, a typical story that would work. And this plot where somebody has a vision and there's this bad guy and there's drugs. People are dying. It's affecting children. And fuck, the, the, these mutants are going to go fucking save them. Great. That sounds great, too. It's the fucking, the dialogue that's connecting these things that's not making it work. Because you have a lot of unconvincing dialogue. A lot of what Nathan is saying and Laura is saying don't sound natural from them. It sounds like somebody wrote this for them. It sounds forced. It doesn't sound like I've earned these feelings from them. I haven't seen enough of them. I feel like I'm getting the most from from Psylocke herself in this. And that's okay, but if you're going to have these other characters around her and have her interact with them, you can't have her say things like, I'm going to teach you about war. To this kid who's known nothing but war his entire life, and I'm going to teach you about rage. To this girl who we've seen struggle with rage for so many years, and who's one of the most beloved characters in X-Men history, like, you can't say those kinds of things without earning it. Yeah, I agree. And one thing is that, like, Jonathan and I both really like these, like, you know, really psychological, dark, horror kind of things, like anime and stuff like that. Like, <laughs> like you know, that's like our thing. Like Zombieland Saga. <laughs> Zombieland Saga is really cute. Yes, it is. But, you know, like we really like that kind of thing. But, like, it doesn't need to be stated by the characters in whatever medium it is that they are dark and depressing and emo and yeah, whatever. Like, show me. Yeah, like, okay, come on. Yeah, so, and, and it really stinks because I want to like this book more than I do. I want to so hard because I see some good things in there, and we get Sinister in here, too. He's part of all this. He's conducting, like, these little fucking therapy sessions with Psylocke, and that is hilarious and adorable, and I love it. But, you know, some people are, are fucking ready to drop this already. Now, obviously, I'm not going to because I want to continue to see how this how this works. It's going to take so very much for me to drop any one of these books. I'm just, I'm not. But we're not, obviously, we're not going to talk about every single issue of everything. If it, it may get to a point where we talk about this almost not at all. And that that kind of stinks. But also, it's it's ending soon. Yeah. You know, he's, uh... The the fucking the writer said he's doing a TV thing. He's going to be taking a break. It's they're going to come back somehow in some badass way. I don't know exactly what that means. If it's going to pick up again, or if we're just going to see these characters again, or if he's going to write something different. I don't know. I've heard from some people. This guy, I think it's Brian Hill, that he's a he's a great writer, and and I believe that. I I really do. Um, and I think there's a lot of potential in here, and some things are executed very well, and then there's things that are executed so damn poorly, and it's a damn shame. Okay, so do you think Ilyana wants to get smashed by Smasher? Do you think therapy sessions with Sinister are going to make Psylocke butter free of her anger? Don't scream and beg and pray, folks. We'll be right back after the commercial break. Miss Jean Grey, I say enough of this petty rivalry. No man is worth the aggravation. What say you? Emma, I say I'm a whole new woman and don't just need those <clears throat> slim pickings anymore. Outstanding, darling. There are much more interesting things in this beautiful world like this website, geekade.com. Wow, look at all these articles and podcasts. Geekade.com covers video games, comic books, Star Wars and anime? I love those things. 
And Geekade even has YouTube and Twitch channels for more geeky fun, darling. Geekade.com sounds like the perfect website for me, away from those stupid gatekeeping men trying to mansplain my interests to me. I know more than you. Some men simply fear powerful women. How about we curl up together and read some articles on Geekade.com? What say you, Miss Gray? You know what I say, Emma? Scissor me timbers. Check out geekade.com today, darlings. Okay, uh, so, since we're uh, moving right into the holiday season, I figured the perfect book to talk about would be God Loves, Man Kills. <laughs> Why? <laughs> this has nothing to do with Christmas. <laughs> I just feel like it kind of captures the feel-good Christmas Thanksgiving holiday spirit. Oh, okay, that makes sense. No, that was a joke, and it failed. I'm sorry. Oh. Uh, so yeah, so God Loves, Man Kills from 1982 by Chris Claremont and Brent Anderson. And again, I feel like this is the quintessential X-Men story. Uh, so for those people who are like, I don't like politics and SJW comics. I love the X-Men. Just, you should stop reading X-Men because you don't get what's happening in yeah. X-Men. Yeah, you're <laughs> stupid. <laughs> No, I really do, because, you know, I mean, sort of, like, the fucking mutant as a metaphor for any minority is obviously the most apparent in this book, but it's done so in such a fucking believable and timeless way, and kind of a really scary way, too, because as sort of, like, on the nose as it is, it's not unbelievable. And everything works within the context of the X-Men and this world that they've built. And it's just very real. And, you know, this is the kind of thing that you didn't really see in, like, the first bunch of issues of X-Men back in the 1960s. But it's all out on fucking display here. So I did not read this until maybe, uh, I think it was the end of 2014. I remember uh, getting it at the local comic shop. And I brought when I was still tutoring, I brought this with me to work because it was like the end of the semester and things were slow. So I decided to read it. And I was like, oh, my God, Patty, this is such a fucking amazing book. And then I just didn't like reread it again for a bunch of years until uh, I think it was like the very end of the summer. And I was like, oh, I, I need to take a look at this again. And I was like, why the fuck have we never talked about this on the show before? I don't know, but I didn't read it until today. <laughs> Did you enjoy it? Yeah, no, it was really good. Good. So yeah, I mean, it opens really, really fucking harsh. Like this was a fucking graphic novel. This was outside of like, you know, like some of like the lighthearted stories. I mean, I guess I wouldn't say lighthearted by like the early 80s. But yeah, this was really fucking dark. And you get two black kids who are brother and sister running through a playground in terror. It's insinuated that their parents have been killed by whoever's chasing them. And uh, they call themselves purifiers. And our intention should be obvious. And you see the boy's eyes glow, and the woman lifts her gun and says she's sending him to join his parents, and then she shoots the little girl and tells the little girl you have no right to live. And then after that, there you see their dead bodies are chained to the fucking swing set. A sign on them reads Muty, and Magneto finds them and vows to make the perpetrators pay. So That was really sexy. <laughs> I, I agree. It really was. And so right there immediately, boom, Malcolm X. And so that's really powerful. Right Right in the beginning of the fucking book. And then you get this fucking uh, worldwide evangelical striker crusade. You've got this fucking religious guy in this fucking big building. Quotes a scary verse from the Bible about worshippers of other gods. They should be stoned to death. And then he's briefed on the X-Men. And it sounds like this guy wants them dead. 
This is his first appearance. We've never met him before. And already we kind of get what this guy is about and his motivation. So immediately there's this execution of minority children, at least one of whom is a mutant, and a man in a tall tower reading the Bible, watching the X-Men, and being briefed on them as one would do in war, and just after the execution. So are those X-Men? They certainly are, but God willing, if all goes well, not for very much longer. Um, but then suddenly, Kitty is in the middle of a fight, uh, trying to hit this guy. Eliana and Piotr are trying to stop her. Her star of David is very prominent. This fucking kid, Danny... Uh, who she's fighting with, is talking about the Striker Crusade and how muties are evil. And Colossus is like, you've made your point. And it was funny, because the kid is like sweating and nervous when Colossus says something to him. So Stevie Hunter is there, because it's outside of her dance studio. And Stevie is like, they're only words. She says that to Kitty. And Kitty says something that Kitty really has no business saying. That and it's hasn't not the... been published since 1982. And it's not the only time Kitty has said such a thing that Kitty has no business saying. Like, I get what Claremont was going for here, but Claremont has also no business writing those words. Yeah, but also it was 1982, and white men were allowed to say whatever they wanted. Yeah, I mean, and I even since then, plenty of white men feel like they can say whatever the fuck they want to say. And uh, the purifiers are watching Stevie, and uh, one of them says she treats those mutie scum like real human beings. As if muties are less than human beings. So then Xavier and Stryker appear on, on TV for a discussion. And Xavier is like, mutants aren't some monolithic group. They're, they're individuals. And Stryker quotes Senator Kelly and says that the increasing number of mutants present a danger to the U.S. and the socio-political order of the world. And Logan is sitting there like, all the X-Men are watching this happen on TV. And Logan, is, he sees the endgame. There's going to be no rights for mutants, we could be exterminated. And Kitty is like, Stryker is so popular. Millions of people believe his every word. And Colossus is like, to think us evil simply because we exist is madness. And Cyclops and Storm are watching in the studio. And Scott says, um, Xavier was speaking to people's ideals, Stryker, to their fears. And this is what happens when you give hatred and fear a platform. Uh, like a certain news channel. You give hatred and fear a platform and it's going to infect people. They're going to hear that and it's going to become a feedback loop. Fear is a very fucking powerful thing and it sticks with people. You know, I mean, it may sound like I'm calling out one news channel in particular. I have no idea who you're talking about. Because I am, but this is what news, this is what that news does and this is why it's easy for a hate monger who claims to be working for God to get away with this. Because then you get evangelists like Jerry Falwell, who gave segregationists a platform and tried to undercut LGBT rights and condemning gay rights and advocacy groups. This is what happens when you give those people a platform. Pat Robertson, calling other religions satanic, uh, who agreed with Jerry Falwell that 9-11 was the wrath of God for the ACLU, uh, people who are pro-abortion, feminists, gays, Billy Graham opposing gay marriage. That's who William Stryker is. That's the kind of, that's the exact parallel because it's this person who claims to be on the side of good who's quoting God. Oh, he quotes the Bible. He must be a man of God. And then they're the ones who are saying abortion is evil. Being gay is evil. This is why these natural disasters are happening. This is why 9-11 happened. And then people hear that and buy into that. That's exactly what's happening here. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. And this is something that we see happen in real life. And, you know, even to more of an extent with the Westboro Baptist Church saying that 
dead soldiers are because of gay people. And that's like the wrath of God, which is fucking stupid. But you see this stuff all the time and nobody really calls it out. Or at least they don't show like coverage of people calling it out if you're on like, you know, certain stations. And I don't agree that, you know, the First Amendment, freedom of speech, I don't think that it should be allowed in uh, like hate speech saying that certain people aren't as good shut them down i i agree but i feel like the the first amendment i i believe is not supposed to cover hate speech but that there are apparently sort of some gray areas that people you know can't quite get their shit straight and that's bullshit because saying that 9-11 was the wrath of god because of you know feminists and because of you know the gays is exactly what william Stryker in this book is saying about mutants they're not human. They have less rights. They they present a danger to our way of life and the order of the world. Like, there are literally countries where you can be imprisoned or put to death if you are, you know, if you're gay. It's, it's, really, it's really sad how I don't believe that religion is inherently bad. And that's literally what the title of this book says to me. That God loves... The idea, God as an idea loves it's man that kills. It's William Stryker who's twisting the word of God. It's fucking Jerry Falwell who twisted the word of God. And that unfortunately these people have this platform and they can reach millions and convince them of this bullshit. And, you know, then, you know, it's it's easy to fucking perpetuate this whole uh, being gay is evil. Having abortion is evil. Ah, feminism is evil. You know what I mean? But Stryker, yeah, he is he is plotting against the X-Men. He has his purifiers attack Scott, Storm, and Xavier on their way back home after this televised debate. And it's just like gay people, trans people, black people are fucking murdered in the street. The Orlando nightclub, this is a fucking real thing. You know, a minority group being attacked just for being the way that they are. And uh, But I do have to say, and I'm going to cut away from that before we get back to, you know, moving the story forward a little bit, that... I loved the art in this book. I'm not always the best with adjectives or my description of what I think of art because I am not like actually an artsy person. But I I thought that this art perfectly fit the mood of this book. I think about an artist like Gurihiru who does this like really like cute sort of art or like Scotty Young and how that wouldn't work for something like this. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, like, this worked perfectly. Well, yeah, it was, uh, like, a more serious tone. But, yeah, I see what you're saying about all of the connections, and I feel like, I mean, you know, that's happened, all that's happened since then. That stuff was (laughs) happening back then, too. Yeah, before then, during then, and since then. Because, you know, you had People don't fucking change. And even before, in areas where it wasn't black people, it was somebody else. The Italians were a little bit darker. Or fuck the Irish. Let's point at the Irish. You know, for rail workers, it was the Chinese. Those fucking Chinese. It's always this group that we have to point our finger down at and fucking other them. And be like, these people are less than us. You know, instead of just fucking embracing different people into a fucking community and fucking learning something from it. Because honestly, that's how you, I mean, I truly believe that's how you fucking learn compassion. And that's how you fucking learn love for other people who are different from you. It's literally by interacting with them, learning about them, learning from them, you know? 
Instead of like some feedback loop of ignorance with just a bunch of fucking white people who watch, you know, the same news channel every day and say, oh, it's their fault. They're taking our jobs. You know what I mean? My inner SJW came out there. No, I'm just kidding. My SJ, I wear my SJW on the outside too. I use that term unironically. I don't, I don't, I don't fucking care. Like you, there's nothing wrong with being somebody who fucking will talk about social justice. And it's the same thing on fucking social media. Like don't fucking, I, I would also like to say, as long as I'm coming out with all this shit, to say like the term keyboard warriors, like you don't have to fucking, you know, it doesn't mean that you have to, you have to get out every single day and go fucking protest something or, you know, if I could fucking punch a Nazi every day, I probably would. But don't fucking put people down by saying like keyboard warriors and this kind of shit. Since social media has become a thing and since everybody is now more connected, it is another platform for hate to be fucking promoted. And if somebody is out there on the other end seeing that and saying, no, fuck you, you're an ignorant racist fuck, I say, let them. Because if I could call into that news channel every fucking day and be like, no, Tucker Carlson, you are a piece of fucking racist garbage, you know, I might do that. But instead, I'll get on Facebook and I'll see somebody talk shit about them making Iceman gay, they shouldn't make him gay, and I'll be like, hey, you're homophobic, stop reading the X-Men. You know what I mean? Yeah. So anyway, the fucking cops call the mansion and notify Kurt that Scott, Aroro, and Xavier are dead. And uh, the next day, uh, Eliana alerts Kitty to some weird fucking electronic sensor near the grounds of the mansion. And Kitty shorts it out by phasing into it. And they wait and see if somebody's going to come repair it. Now, in the meantime, Logan, Colossus, and Kurt are checking the scene of the accident. And Logan can tell that the three corpses in that car wreck that were fucking attacked by strikers, purifiers, that it was staged. The bodies, they weren't the fucking X-Men. Kurt notices that they're being watched. So the three go after uh, the purifiers. The purifiers were watching the scene of the fucking accident. You know, Colossus readies himself to smash the car. Kurt doesn't let the lady inside get away with it. She's going to be a fucking martyr and kill herself by trying to take Kurt and Colossus out with her. But then these armored goons step out and shoot Colossus in the back. But then all of a sudden, their armor comes off and it's Magneto. He is fucking gorgeous. He shows up. He stops those armored goons and says, uh, she's your claws. Magneto is here as a friend. And if you'll have me, an ally. And I'm like, he's so, he's just so good. I got a boner. <laughs> so Kitty follows the fucking, um, the purifiers. Because the purifiers managed to capture Ilyana. They cut back to Wolverine scaring the shit out of this purifier with his claws, and then Magneto starts to fucking torture him and gets the truth that the goal of the Striker Crusade is the eradication of mutant kind, and they're going to use Xavier to do it. So Xavier is fucking hooked up to this machine. He's fucking uh, hallucinating, and this art is scary as fuck. The X-Men are demons. Everything is red. Xavier is nailed to a cross. The team is torturing him. And he, like, briefly snaps out of it. But then we see that Aroro and Scott are okay. They're just, like, incapacitated. And uh, Aroro's like, why are you doing this? And Stryker's like, because you exist. And then he gives his backstory. And this was scary as fuck. This dumbass who couldn't drive drove off the road. His wife goes into labor. We don't ever... And this is the art being really effective. It didn't even need to show us. But we still got this image in our head of what the baby looked like. You see Stryker's reaction to this quote-unquote monster. He Stryker kills the newborn 
with his knife, and then the wife wants to hold the newborn and Stryker snaps her neck. That was really fucking dark and twisted. So then after uh, Demon Baby is born, he tried to kill himself. Yeah. But like everything in life, he is a failure. Um, <laughs> so he stayed alive. Uh, he was, I guess, dishonorably discharged. Yeah, for getting drunk and fighting. So then he decides to go to Jesus school and become a Jesus man. Um <laughs> I love your technical terms, by the way. Yeah. I love the technical patty terms yeah. that she puts on it. Jesus, man. Jesus, man. <laughs> so basically, you know, throwing around like, oh, they're abominations, the, you know, mutants and stuff. Yeah. And that he was going to take upon this crusade against them. And he literally called it a crusade, too. And he believes that Xavier is the Antichrist because he's, like, leading all the mutants. And, I mean, he's not too far off about Xavier. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. Not because he's leading the X-Men. Whoa, but... it's because he's bald, isn't it? You yeah. got something against bald people. Yeah, they just don't have any hair. Patty. Jonathan. I'm going to be bald one day. That's not true. I'm going to shave my head when it gets that bad. I will get you a wig. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, the uh, purifiers tried gassing the back, uh, the, the, trunk, uh, of the, the trunk of the car. Yeah, for some just... for some reason, they had uh, you know gas built into the trunk of the car. You don't keep uh, fucking gas in the back of your car, like knockout gas. No, just in case. No, I don't. Yeah, so Kitty got away before she was gassed by the purifiers, but but they chased her down. But Magneto comes to the fucking rescue, and the X-Men are with him, and, and it's it's awesome. Allegedly, Stryker convinced Xavier to kill Scott and Aurora. It looks like they're both dead, but the X-Men get some information out of uh, this doctor that works for Stryker, and they go to Stryker's building, and Magneto fucking just magnetically lifts the elevator out of the fucking building, and it is beautiful. Um, when they're transporting Scott and Aurora's quote-unquote dead bodies, they're not actually dead. Wolverine can smell it because Wolverine can smell when things are alive or dead because that's a fucking thing that he does. Magneto just gives them a little zap with some magnetism and they're, and they're back alive. So Stryker is going to give this huge sermon on TV. He's got a copy of Cerebro that will destroy mutants and Xavier is going to power it. And as fucking Stryker is giving, starts his sermon, some of Reagan's goons are there, and one of them says this wonderful quote, The president is a fair-minded man. He believes the reverend's views deserve hearing. That Which, sounds like Reagan. That sounds like Reagan. Give, give some hate speech some fair hearing. Absolutely. Let's hear both sides. Yeah. Find people on there both were, sides. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but it's, but it's scary, the things that are coming out of his mouth, um, because they're not too off from reality. We are beings of divine creation, yet there are those among us whose existence is an affront to that divinity. And, like, even some fucking cops in the audience don't like the sound of this. But he keeps going. Our children will be born monsters, and that is natural? I say no. I say never. And Magneto breaks in Madison Square Garden, but some fucking senator realizes that Magneto was kind enough to replace the roof behind him. He was just making an entrance. That's nice. Which was nice of him, right? Yeah, so the people, and that's dramatic. It's nice. It's dramatic and nice. Yeah. That's how you make a dramatic and nice entrance. If you're going to kick down a door to dramatically make an roof. entrance, 
bring another one with you. So yeah. you can just attach it afterwards. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, so all the X-Men are trying to get to Xavier and fight these goons on the way in. And it's funny because it turns out, like, you see some, like, I think Kurt started bleeding from his ears. There are a couple of people who aren't, like, conspicuously mutants, but you know they are. Like, the nose is bleeding. They're clearly having head pain. Anne, who's, like, Stryker's right-hand woman, she's a mutant. Stryker realizes it and shuns her. He pushes her off the stage, and she falls and breaks her neck. And so what's interesting is you see some people in the crowd who are realizing that Stryker is the actual villain here, but then there are other people just holding their signs about mutants being an abomination and clearly siding with Stryker. Even the cops here defend Magneto. I don't believe that that would happen in real life. No. Um, it's because the cops would be honestly there to defend William Stryker, being like his, his right to his fucking hate speech, which is sad, which is really sad. These kinds of, these kinds of things that happen in, in public places and, college campuses where they've allowed the fucking alt-right to come and spew their hate speech? I'm sorry. They shouldn't be protected. This shit kind of shit should not be allowed. They're Some not a- of those who work forces are the same that burn crosses. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. So, it honestly, it was nice to see that in this book, how some of the cops were saying that. But so this was a dope fucking classic X-Men moment. They know that they need to stop Xavier. We don't want to kill him, but we need to stop him. Kurt teleports himself and Logan like right behind Xavier you see Logan is about to fucking hit Xavier in the head with the claws when Xavier stops them telepathically in the meantime Scott has sent this fucking optic blast that's like bouncing off of everything till it finally hits Xavier in the face at the right time and knocks him out of it and then Scott destroys the machine and that was fucking beautiful that was such a good fucking series of panels i absolutely loved it and colossus is like yeah we won scott says no there's the man his it's his the beliefs and the ideas if we don't stand up now all we've done is delay the inevitable holocaust scott says to striker thanks to you and people like you mutants live in fear every day and striker's reply is i'm an instrument of the lord and it's just amazing the dialogue Scott comes back with. What makes your link to heaven stronger than mine? Are labels more important than the way we live our lives? Kitty comes to Kurt's defense after that fucking striker pointing at Kurt and saying, You dare call this thing human? Striker's about to shoot Kitty when a cop in the audience, just some random fucking cop, shoots Striker right in the fucking chest. And that was amazing. Yeah, and that doesn't happen in real life either. Yeah, no, it, it sadly. It's, it sadly does not. But again, you take that, that line that Scott said, thanks to you and people like you, mutants live in fear every day. There are places where gay people and trans people don't feel safe walking down the fucking street just for looking the way that they look or acting the way that they act, just the way that they normally are. Like, it's dangerous to go in certain places. And that's exactly what Scott's saying about mutants, and that's literally the metaphor. I made a joke recently about how some of you who call yourself X-Men fans have never read God Loves, Man Kills, and it shows, and that wasn't a slight at any X-Men fan who hadn't read it before. Because I hadn't. And yeah, it's, it's a knock to those people who I've seen all over fucking social media who complain about SJWs and forced diversity 
and all of this, these fucking bullshit terms to just put down understanding and they either haven't read this or they don't understand this is the most clear illustration of that fucking metaphor. You know, it, it ends, you know, kind of calmly, you know, strikers like he's arraigned on charges, but he says that it's religious persecution. Um, Xavier's like, people are saying Stryker's goal was right. Only his methods were flawed. And Xavier says Magneto was right. No matter how hard I tried, I cannot truly win. And it was great here to see Scott say that's bullshit. We can't impose tolerance. It has to come from within. And that's true. But Scott says he's not ready to give up on Xavier's dream. And he convinces Xavier not to give up either. So, you know, Magneto just flies away. He says that he hopes that the X-Men will win, but if, if they fail, it'll be, it'll be his turn. You know, but, but, you know, Scott's right. You can't, sadly, we, you can get into all these arguments with people on social media. You can go fucking protest their hate rallies and say all these things and scream it right in their faces. These people have to come to their own fucking conclusions about tolerance and about diversity and about, you know, love. I just wish we had an easier time taking away you know, the platforms that people have to embolden, you know, those views. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm like Quentin, you know? We're your gods now. Listen, I, I think in the time that we live in, things are, you know, things have gotten a lot more chaotic than they were even back in, in 1982. There's a lot more overt hatred and there's a lot more of an overt pushback. It's a lot easier and quicker for people to communicate and for people to unify, I don't think that the solution is to, you know, murder everybody. I wish that there was a magic switch or something that you could just turn on and make people see certain things. But again, I don't, I don't think it's bad to fucking, you know, if people, if people want to spew hate speech, if you want to say something to them, great. If you want to get into their face, great. If you would rather cut that negativity out and ignore it, that's fine too. Quite a while ago, I said no more of disengaging these people on their fucking bullshit. It was like the very beginning of Pride Month, posted something on Instagram. All these fucking idiots, bigots came at us. And after a little bit, I'm like, I'm not doing this anymore. Because one of them had multiple Instagram accounts and kept coming at us and kept calling me out for blocking his different accounts. I've extended every olive branch. And I'm like, bro, if I don't want to engage with you, you don't fucking deserve it. If you want to live in a bubble of stupidity, fine. Wow, now you know what it's like to be a woman. So generally, I just fucking block these people. But, you know, honestly, sometimes I really just want to fucking yell. I want to get in their faces. I want to make them understand but like Scott said in this book, and I know it's Claremont writing, but it's the truth. You can't force them to. They have to come to it on their own. And and I will I will end my weird sort of rant um, that's been a little all over the place with this. Is that if you're any sort of minority listening to this, if you're black, if you're Hispanic, if you're trans, if you're gay, if you're native, uh, you have a safe place on our accounts. We love you. We will always fucking back you up. Um, you can always fucking talk to us. So that'll do it for this episode of Mutant Musings. Thanks for joining us, and don't forget to leave us a comment on geekade.com. Leave us ratings and reviews on iTunes or anywhere else you find our podcast. Follow us on Instagram at mutant underscore musings underscore podcast and on Twitter at mutant musings. What did you think of God Loves Man Kills? Is it the most important X-Men story? Join us for a new episode in two weeks our last episode of the year and the decade. And until then, Magneto was right. Yeah, he was. <laughs>